Good morning, everybody. So I hear that I'm the only thing keeping you from your Mother's Day brunch. So if I could get the band up, we're going to go ahead and close out right now. No, no, dang it. So I guess not. Dang it. Um, But so um, Mother's Day, at first I was really, you know, Pastor Josh said, hey, you're going to preach on the 14th and the 21st. And I was like, okay, cool. I get those two weeks. And then I looked at the calendar. I was like, oh, man, one of those is Mother's Day. Like, there's a little extra pressure there, Um, like a little extra stress. And then uh, I just asked God, like, hey, God, give me something that would just be, that would mean something to every single mom, wife, daughter, grandma in this room. So, um, men, I do apologize. This is a message that's um, purely going after for moms. So... You know, Mark or Michael, you may have been called um, a mother before in the past, but it's different. This is a different type of mom. So I want to take you back um, to about between 2100 and 2000 uh, BC. Um, There was a man named Terah, and he lived in a land called Ur of the Chaldeans, and that's kind of like southern Iraq. And he had some kids. He had a pretty famous kid named Abram. You may have heard of him. He had another kid named Nahor and Haran. And so they decided to move, and then they were going to go down to Canaan. And I'm going to do a little bit of abbreviation, because this is just kind of setting the tone, but it isn't really super important. So if I uh, yada, yada, yada a few things, just go with me. So they, they go out, and they're making this trip Haran dies. Haran has a son named Lot. You probably have heard of Lot. So they're going to Canaan, and then through this process, like they're going there, and then all of a sudden, they all split up. Abram goes a certain way, Nahor goes a certain way, and Lot goes a certain way. Um, Abram is God's chosen people. Israel comes through that line. So that line is like a royal line. You know, his son Isaac and then Jacob. I mean, all of these stories that, you know, you hear about in Genesis. That's all through Abram. Lot maybe makes some, let's say, suspect choices with his family. And he has a kid from his firstborn daughter. And they name him Moab. So... There's like the story set up is that there's these two lines that, you know, a family splits and you have Israel and Moab. You following me? Okay. 900 years later, there's a famine in Canaan and a man named Elimelech from Bethlehem decides, I'm going to move my family, you know, this, this whole famine thing isn't working, so we're going to move to Moab. So they moved to Moab, literally the country that this division was split. They moved to Moab to kind of get, you know, kind of just let the famine take place, and then they're going to hang out in this other country. And he goes with his wife and two sons. They get to Moab. His sons decide, oh, look at these Moabite women. We're going to marry two of these women, which is a big no-no. And they, they marry Oprah not Oprah, Orpah, and Ruth. 
So they lived there for about 10 years in Moab, and then the sons passed away, and the dad had passed away. So now it's Naomi, who is Elimelech's wife, and her two daughter-in-laws. No men, no sons, and she's like, okay, what do we do? Well, what ends up happening is Naomi hears from God, like, hey, look, the famine in, is over. Come back to the homeland. Come back. So she's like, okay, we're going to go back. One of the daughters is like, nah, I think I'm good. But Ruth is like, okay, let's go. I'm with you. I'm going to do this. And so they start making a journey back to Israel, back to Canaan. And they end up in Bethlehem. Kind of interesting. We'll get to that later. But they literally get back to Bethlehem right before the beginning of a barley harvest. So you, you're probably thinking, okay, Mike, Pastor Mike, why are you going to talk about Ruth on Mother's Day? Like there's all these moms in the Bible, all of these like just put together amazing moms. Why are you talking about a lady that up until like one of the last verses in her book, she's not even a mom? Well, the first thing, and this one's I may lose it a little, my mom's name was Joanne Ruth Noyes. So when I asked God who to talk about, and I kept trying to pick all of these women, he was like, dummy, like, you're going to honor your mom. So my mom's middle name was Ruth. She died when I was about 20 years old. And it never really hit me until I was putting together this. It's like, wow, like she literally was Ruth. Like when, you, when we'll talk about that a little. Um, and I am the man, the husband, and the father I am today because of her. Ruth was a woman that many women in this room have shared experiences with at some point in your life. She was a poor woman, so any women in here maybe, maybe not poor, but maybe at some point, you know, money's been a little tight. Um, she was a poor woman from a different land whose daily work involved her really working in the fields. So she was a hard-working woman. For many parts of her story, she was neither a wife or a mother in the book. At some point, in this, all of the women in this room weren't a mother or a wife at one point. Ruth didn't spend her days making clothes for her husband. My wife doesn't spend her days making my clothes. <laughs> she may spend her days helping me get dressed or picking out my clothes, but she doesn't um, make my clothes. Um, and Ruth didn't even have a husband for many parts of the story. Um, Ruth's children didn't rise up and call her blessed. She was childless for most of the book. Ruth didn't spend her days exchanging fine linens with the merchants and keeping an immaculate home. My wife spends a lot of her time keeping an immaculate home. I'm sure, you know, just, she laughed at that one. She worked all day in the sun gleaning leftovers from other people's fields, which was a provision made for the poorest in Israel. So, Hopefully, ladies, you can see a little bit of some experience that Ruth had that you have in your life. And you're like, wow, Pastor Mike, thanks for the amazing feel-good mother message, you know, <laughs> Mother's Day message. She was poor. She was working long days in the field. Wow, this is just great. 
and I was like, all right, God, like, you better help me out here because this, when I was going through this, I was like, this is going to be a tough one. In spite of her challenges, though, through Ruth's strong virtues that we're going to talk about, she would eventually be personally redeemed by Boaz, but even more importantly, she would redeem not just her own family line, but she would literally bring Moab, because she was a Moabite, back into the royal line that 28 generations later, Jesus would literally come right out of. So that's why Ruth is important. That's why all of her hard work, all of these virtues that we're going to be sharing today, that's why she was important. She literally redeemed a whole line back into a royal line. She was also the great-grandmother of King David. I, I would have spent a couple hours going through a genealogy line by line. Pastor Josh blessed it. He was like, go for it. Um, you know, and I thought, well, after 1 o'clock, you can probably get a deal on your brunch. So, you know, <laughs> we're going to go through that here in a minute. Just kidding. We're not. Um, and, and she was also the great-great-grandmother of King Solomon, who wrote the majority of Proverbs. So one of the most famous and quoted passages in the Bible is Proverbs 31. And we're going to talk about Proverbs 31 and Ruth today. And it's interesting because when I looked at this, you just assume that all of Proverbs was written through by Solomon. But Proverbs 31 is a little unique. So it, it's actually wrote by King Lemuel, you know, that's not like the king from Madagascar, that little, that's King Julian. Uh, king Lemuel um, was only mentioned twice in the Bible, and it was in Proverbs. So a lot of Jewish customs, when they really look back, there's a lot of people that believe that King Lemuel is actually Solomon, and he's getting his um, messages through his mom Bathsheba. So for today, we're going to agree with those that Jewish custom. Um, that's kind of one of those things at Granite Creek that we have. Like, there's some things that we draw the line in the sand, and then there's other things that are just like, yeah, you know, we're not really going to, you know, die on the hill or put, you know, fall on the sword for that one. So, for today, it's neat because King Solomon is writing Proverbs 31, and I think what you're going to see today is he's speaking about his great-great-grandmother, Ruth, when he's writing this. So, we're going to take a look now at seven virtues that King Solomon is writing in Proverbs about his great-great-grandmother, I think. These are also virtues that when I started reading about them and looked back, my great-grandmother Elizabeth, Nana, she was about four feet tall, <laughs> fresh off the boat, of Aust from Austria, literally came over here, she had all of these. My grandmother, Eleanor, had all of these as well. And if you wanted to meet a tough lady, my grandmother, Eleanor, <laughs> short little lunch lady in Pomona. Like, I mean, full-blown, short little lunch lady in Pomona. And those kids, like, listened to her and did what she told them to do. My mother, Joanne, um, again, uh, had all of these as well, and my wife has all of these. 
And many of you have these as well. And the amazing thing is we serve a God that as we talk about these different virtues that make a woman virtuous, if you don't have them or if it's something that you want, we serve a Father that will give those to you. Now, just, you know, time out precaution here. He may not actually give you the virtue, but He's going to give you the opportunity to maybe tend to a soil or give you some experiences that may cause these virtues to grow up and become part of you. So sometimes He may not just give you the virtue, but He's going to give you the environment and the experience to create these virtues. So we're going to go through these. And um, when I sent the email to AV, uh, they said, well, that's a lot of Scripture, Pastor Mike. And I said, yeah, we're going to be here for like two hours. We're going to have to give a lot of Scripture. So, but um, in reality, we're going to go through seven because there's a lot that we could have gone through. But I picked out seven virtues in the book of Proverbs, specifically 31, that we're going to look at. And I think, and then we're going to compare them with the book of Ruth, which, by the way, Ruth is like four chapters. It, like, it is the, one of the easiest books that you can read. Um, I read it many, many a times, and I hid it. I was kind of like a closet Bible reader this week because I was trying to prepare this message and not let my wife know what it was about. So I was like reading, you know, like, oh gosh, okay. oh no, what are you doing? Nothing, nothing, you know. So, um, and then the eight, Crystal is going to be uh, kept very busy because she's going to have to keep up with me. So um, the first virtue that we're going to talk about is devotion. The virtuous woman is a woman of devotion. She is not praised because she's a giving, good businesswoman or how well she takes care of her home. She is praised because she is first devoted to God. All of her virtuous qualities are based on her devotion to the Lord. So, Crystal, if you can pull up the first Proverbs verse, please. So, this is Proverbs 31. 30, charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Amen? I, would, I was going to have everyone after each one of these go, if that's you, can I get an amen? But I thought, you know, that would be a little rowdy on Mother's Day. So that's the first one, which is devotion. And Ruth shows her devotion. If you want to open to Ruth, I would suggest if you're going to Land in one today, land in Ruth, because otherwise you're going to be going back and forth a lot. But Ruth 1, 16 through 18, which is interesting because this is the first one I'm doing. My mom's birthday was 1, 16. So it was like totally God. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or turn my back to, from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God, my God. She's talking to Naomi here. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it so ever so severely, even death separates you and me. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. Um, so that devotion... And I thought back to my mom and the devotion that she had, that it would borderline stubbornness sometimes because there would be like, no, this is how it's going to be no matter what. Um, so Ruth was so devoted 
to her mother-in-law that there was, it was like, no matter what, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to follow you into that land. Moms definitely have to have devotion. Can I get an amen? The second virtue is courage. The virtuous woman is a woman of courage. She knows what she can control and courageously trusts God with what she cannot. Because she trusts God with tomorrow, she can have peace for today. Proverbs describes her as she is clothed in cloth and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. As my wife's laughing. Um, Ruth 2.11, so Ruth displays this. In Ruth 2.11, Boaz replied, I have been told all about what you have done for your mother-in-law and since the death of your husband and how you left your father and mother and your homeland and came to live with a people you did not know before. Think of the courage that Ruth possessed. She was literally the exact opposite. Moab, they worship many gods. They did not worship Yahweh. They Remember that line that was broken? It hasn't been redeemed yet. They, they were political and military rivals in the same land. She chose, hey, I'm going to go back. I'm a Moabite, and I'm going to go to Israel. Like that, imagine that courage it had to have taken. She was literally going into a land that was, she knew was going to be hostile towards her just because of the way she looked, the way she probably dressed, the way she talked, her customs. But yet she did it anyway. And I've seen many a moms in this room have that same courage uh, in dealing with their families. The third is diligence. A virtuous woman, she's a woman of diligence. She's a hard worker, but don't confuse her diligence with busyness. Her hard work is not only fruitful, but makes her stronger. And there's uh, many examples that we're going to kind of go through in Ruth of just showing how hard of a worker she was. In Proverbs, though, 31.17, it says, She sets about her work vigorously. Her arms are strong for the tasks. And Ruth, again, she was, worked in the fields. And she would eventually work in fields of Boaz, who would end up being her husband. But she would actually go behind the workers and glean and pick up all of the stuff. And so, Crystal, if you can go through some of these verses, I just want to share with you and show you kind of how Ruth like, is described in the book. So Ruth 2, 2 through 3, and Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I find favor. And Naomi said, go ahead, my daughter. So she went out, entered a field, and began to glean behind the harvesters. As it turned out, she was working in a field belonging to Boaz, who was from the clan of Elimelech. The overseer replied, she is a Moabite who came back from Moab and Naomi. She said, please let me glean and gather among the sheaths behind the harvesters. She came into the field and has remained here from morning until now, except a short rest in the shelter. Like, look at that work ethic that she would just be there all day. And it reminds me, and I'm just going to brag on our Granite Creek staff for a minute, like you see like whether it's Pastor Mandy, Pastor Mako, Pastor Sarah, or the staff, just they have that same work ethic. 
like Mandio was working 16 hours out in the heat during last weekend to help send kids to camp. All of you ladies at one point or still to this day have that work ethic. That's why your families like rejoice in you because you are working hard to make sure that they are taken care of. The woman described in Proverbs 31, she's a woman of generosity. With all that she worked for and acquired, she freely gives to the poor. She is truly blessed to be a blessing intentionally seeking to help others. Proverbs 31 actually says, she opens her arms to the poor and extends her hands to the needy. Many of you have served in the food bank. Like, that's a virtue that you have. Almost all of the ladies at some point in our church has been, have been at the food bank at some point. Um, Ruth 2.18, she carried it back into town, and her mother-in-law saw how much she had gathered. Ruth also brought out and gave her what she had left over after she eaten. So Ruth ate and then gave it all to her mother-in-law. Like that spirit of generosity. Ruth 3.16, when Ruth came to her mother-in-law, Naomi asked, how did it go, my daughter? Then she told everything Boaz had done for her and added, he gave me these six measures of barley, saying, don't go back to your mother-in-law empty-handed. So even when he gave her more than enough, she would continue to just be generous and give it all to her mother-in-law. She didn't keep any to the side. Number five, we're on number five. We only have two more. I'm like, going to get you guys in time for brunch. I was told that, uh, you know, someone slipped me a 20. They said, if you get me out here up here by like 11.20, 11.30, I'm going to, you know, buy your wife brunch. So, <laughs> not really. I'm just kidding. Um, but the Proverbs 37 woman that Solomon's describing is a woman of dignity. Not only is she worth and worthy of praise, but she knows her value. Proverbs 31.10, probably the most quoted line in Proverbs 31, and maybe even the whole book of Proverbs. It's definitely one that you hear a lot this time of year for Mother's Day. A wife of noble character who can find, she is worth far more than rubies. Ruth 3.10 says, The Lord bless you, my daughter, he replied. And this is Boaz talking to Ruth. This kindness is greater than what you, which you showed earlier. Have you not run after the younger men, whether rich or poor? And now, my daughter, don't be afraid. I will do all that you ask. All the people of my town know that you're a woman of noble character. So when you talk about dignity and whether it's nobility, um, you can see that in her. Everyone in town knew of Ruth's, like just her reputation. Number six, patience. Probably one of the most important virtues of a, being a good mom and a strong woman. You definitely have to have patience. She selects, um, if you go to Proverbs 31, 13, it says, she selects wool and flax and works with eager hands. She considers a field and buys it. 
out of her earnings she plants a vineyard. What's really interesting in that part, though, is the, the per, part where it talks about that she considers a field. So she has the patience to wait for the right field to come along, to plant her seeds in it, and then have a harvest. And Ruth, when you think of Ruth, she definitely was had to have that patience because she, she moved, her husband died, and then she could have just given up. She could have been done. She, said, she could have been like her sister and was just like, look, peace, I'm out too. Naomi, go back. I'm going to follow my sister. Uh, but she chose not to. Ruth 4.13, so Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife. The Lord enabled her to conceive and she gave birth to a son. The woman said to Naomi, praise be to the Lord who this day has not left you without a guardian redeemer. May he become famous throughout Israel. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you and who is better than you than seven sons has given birth. Then Naomi took the child in her arms and cared for him. The women living there said, Naomi has a son, and they named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, who was the father of David. This is the line that with this son that Ruth gives birth to, this is where it's redeemed. This is where her whole family line is redeemed in Bethlehem. The, the parallel at first, I, it, it, it didn't hit me. Then it hit me like a ton of bricks. Literally 28 generations later in the same town that Ruth was redeemed and then her family line was redeemed. 28 generations later, through Ruth's line, Mary and Joseph would have Jesus. I don't think God never does things just for coincidence. There was an absolute reason why Ruth was the one that came back. It could have been her sister, Orpah, but she decided to go another way and do her own TV show down the road. <laughs> but it could have been one or the other, right? But it was Ruth. And it wasn't that Ruth had this, she didn't have this amazing anointing on her. Like you, you saw some of the things that I described. She wasn't, a woman that, I mean, she worked in the fields, long days. She wasn't a mom, she, but she was God's chosen one. And she had the ability to either choose God. And by the way, she worshiped many gods at first. She, I mean, she lived in Moab. They didn't have one God, Yahweh. So it wasn't like, it was literally God telling her, you need to do this. And when you do this, you're going to be redeemed, and your family line will be completely redeemed. Back in the town where Jesus would, who is our Redeemer, would eventually come out from. And then number seven, the last one, is wisdom. She is a woman of wisdom. With God as her guiding source, she has clarity on the decisions she makes, how she lives her life, and the words she chooses. She carefully cultivates a godly life on the eternal truth of God and not the temporary and fleeting distractions of the world. 
Proverbs 31, 26 describes her as she speaks with wisdom and faithful instruction is on her tongue. What's really interesting is Proverbs and Ruth are the only two books in the Bible that employ the phrase woman, wife of noble character. Both the Proverbs 31 poem and the story of Ruth can kind of almost be viewed as inspiring illustrations of God's wisdom in everyday life. The things that just everyday life, when you look at what she accomplished or what she did, she worked hard in the fields. Through that hard work, her family line was redeemed. She was devoted and faithful to her mother-in-law. Through that devotion, she was redeemed. Her line was redeemed. She had courage. I don't know of many people that would have the courage that she would have to go, I'm going into this hostile country where I know that it would almost be like probably nowadays, like if you were you know, the Middle East, and an Israeli woman would go, I'm going into, let's say, a Muslim country, and I, you know, I know I'm going to go in, or a Muslim going into probably a Israel. I know I'm going in, and I know that they're going to persecute me, and I'm doing it anyway. Why? Because she knew God had told her to do that, and that her family line would be redeemed through that courage. Right? So, we're going to take communion now. But it's really interesting about communion. So, um, what's really interesting is one of the first times communion was ever given was actually through, um, it was actually done through Boaz, who became Ro, um, Ruth's husband, through his line. After Abram, remember Abram, so we got that, you know, that line, the three, the three brothers, you know, Abram, he became quite the warrior, because again, remember, he was God's chosen people. So Abram returned from uh, defeating Kelomalor, and the kings allied with him. The king of Sodom came out to meet him in the valley, then Mechizeldech, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was a priest of God Most High, and he blessed Adam, saying, Blessed be Abram by God Most High, creator of heaven and earth. And praise be to God Most High, who delivered your enemies into your hand. Then Abram gave him a tenth of everything. And that's Genesis 14, 17 through 20. So it's just, it's, it was so cool to see that through that line, even going back further, like that was... They were all pointing to Jesus, like way before. Abram was giving, you know, brought, they brought bread and wine. Mechizeldek brought bread and wine, and they took communion even before Jesus was even around. Everyone knew of Jesus because he was obviously, I mean, he's our Redeemer. But it was just amazing to see that that line, generations before, would partake in this great meal. So, he took bread, the Last Supper. Jesus took this bread and said, 
and broke it, gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. This is all you need. This is all Ruth needed was Jesus, his body. She didn't know it yet, but she knew it in her heart that she needed this. This would be the only thing that would redeem her line. 28 generations later, this was the fruit of Ruth's choices, of the the virtuous woman that she was. Those virtues, this was the fruit. So take this in remembrance of him. And then before we take this, if I could get the band to come up, because I just totally realized, I saw Sophia looking out like, oh my gosh, is he going to invite me back up? (laughs) And I realized, oh my gosh, yeah, I probably should invite the band back up. It's even in my notes, bring the band back up. (laughs) I just got a little carried away, so. This is the other piece. This is the this is what makes us all right. This is what redeems all of our family lines. We can't we can't do enough hard work to be redeemed without this. Amen. Amen. So we're going to take this and Lord, I just thank you for this good drink. Thank you that this drink makes things right. It washes away every sin. Every single sin that I have is just washed away because of this. Thank you, Lord. beautiful. Happy Mother's Day. What you do matters. Your virtues matter. Daughters, you matter. Your virtues matter. 
Those of you who are motherly figures to people, you matter. Your virtues matter. Your decisions, your choices, your obedience to God has the power to literally transform your family and your family line, just like an immigrant woman who worked in the fields, her, right? Her choices changed her family line and all of our line because through her choices, through her virtues came Jesus. Don't you find it interesting again that it was in Bethlehem that this happened, that that redeeming of Ruth in that line within 28 generations later our Redeemer. Have you had your Ruth moment yet, ladies? When you experience your Ruth moment or moments, these virtues that you have or that you are asking God for or that He's developing in you could literally change the face of the planet. When Ruth was making these choices, she had no idea that 28 generations later, our Savior would come through her line. It was the farthest thing in her head. But that can be you. I'm not saying that we're all going to have a Messiah come through our line. There's only one. But think about your choices, your decisions, your virtues matter so much. So I'm going to ask you to... Close your eyes, and I'm going to leave you with a blessing. Moms, you matter. May God shine his light on you. May he bless you. May he just strengthen these virtues. May he give you patience today to deal with your children. But may he just shine his light on your face. Happy Mother's Day, church. Thank you for being the most amazing moms, wives, and just sisters in Christ. Amen. Thank you.